practicing true religion. What a what a title. What a title for today for the times that we're living in, right? Central truth is that Christians can benefit I said benefit from trials by remaining true to God's word. Well, who would have thought there'd have been a benefit in it? But there is. The key word there is benefit. Um, anytime you're involved in something, you'd like to know that there's a benefit, right? Some sort of benefit, something you're going to get out of the deal. Um, in order, I'll say this as, as a, as really as we get started, in order to come to a full realization that you are getting benefits from trials, it will take you and I redefining the value of a trial. You'll have to you have to redefine that. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like having a a rare coin. And it looks cool and all. It's like, wow, that's really cool. And then you find out it's worth a million dollars. It gets reevaluated. You had it the whole time. You just didn't realize the value of it. It was valuable the whole time. Trials are much the same way. If if you're subjected to trials long enough without the right perspective, you'll begin to look at them. Uh, incorrectly, you'll start to look at this thing, and you begin. You'll you'll start to wonder and ask yourself questions like, "What in the world did I do? What in the world did I do to deserve this?" Anyone ever said that before? <laughs> okay. And I'm not. When I say that, I'm not trying to water down your trial or water down what you're going through because we obviously know trials and tribulations, by definition, are not easy. There's nothing easy, and there's nothing convenient about going through a trial. But I, this lesson is really timely because what this lesson does is it challenges you and I to reevaluate what the actual value is, what we're going through. And if there's a value involved, then we need to see what that is. That's going to that's gonna help us to stay focused. That's going to um, motivate us because sometimes we need motivation, right? Amen. Whether you want to admit that or not, that's true. Sometimes you just need some motivation. Reason to push forward and keep going. So it helps us to reevaluate what the value is, to find the value, and then that value keeps us going in that right direction. If we have an inadequate look of the value of it, then you think what I am doing is for nothing. Have you ever said that before? Yeah. Okay. And and it wasn't it wasn't that you were it wasn't that it was worth nothing. It was that you didn't understand what it was worth. It didn't make sense. It's like, I don't get what I'm doing this for. And all of us have really, I mean, you think about throughout your life, we've all been in circumstances in our life where we wonder why we was dumping or wasting any more time on it. And so you quit, right? Anytime you start to think about whether it, your time is well spent in something, you'll quit. Now, whether that's in the physical or emotionally or mentally, at some place, you'll quit. Because we're just hardwired for that. You're not gonna you're not gonna waste time on something. And I think that's I think that's something we really need to take into consideration when it comes to the time that we serve in the church or we serve Christ or we spend time in Christianity. If you're not careful, if you start to believe that all the trials and tribulations and the things that you go through are all for nothing, you're going to quit. Now that may now what that looks like to you, it may not look like the same thing for me. You may still be coming to church, but you quit a long time ago. Does that make sense? So that causes us to take a really deep look and to make sure that we understand the value of what we are doing. We need to understand that. All right, so let's get started. It says, have you ever felt discouraged by the daily trials and temptations you face? Perhaps you have wondered why a child of God would encounter adversity. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. You're not alone. Everyone faces adversity, but believers can have the assurance that they are not alone in dealing with difficulties. The book of James offers practical instructions for living as God's child in a world that is increasingly e evil. Anyone notice an increasingly evil world lately? Yeah. We can even, well, let me say this with that. Okay, so we notice an increasingly uh, evil world that we live in. Well, there's... There's really only a couple options for you and I. Either, either you fall into it and you look like everyone else, or you step out from amongst them and separate yourself and learn how to actually live in it. 
And I, I'm with you. I'm not negating anyone's belief that Jesus is going to be returning soon. I believe he's going to be returning soon also. But while we're still here, I've got to also make, make the consideration that I might be here for a while. And if, that, if that's the angle, then I need to learn how to live here accurately before the Lord and get the witness done accurately in front of people mm-hmm. and learn how to not um, compromise mm-hmm. my faith. I have to learn that. I think Christians need to learn that. They need to learn what that's like. They need to learn what it's like to live in the midst of that. You call it, some people say, this place is a filth pit. Well, you need to learn how to live in the filth pit still before the Lord. It's kind of like people want, they they just want to be out of it. It's like, I, I just want to be out of it. I've heard a lot of people say, uh, politicians talk about, you know, states divorcing uh, the country and becoming their own country and, and, and people are like excited about this idea that everyone can be whisked away to some sort of um, fantasy, island. fantasy island. There you go. <laughs> fantasy island where where everybody's Republican and, <laughs> and everybody follows the Lord and, and it's all well and good again. Well, that's not life. Yeah. That's not life. And I'm pretty sure that's probably not going to happen. And even if it did, you'd still be confronted with the same problems. At some point in time, everybody has to give account <coughs> here, while you're here, uh, to try your faith. Your faith has to be tried. So how that comes, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to come. I mean, we're all being tried in different ways now. But as this thing goes on, uh, you're going to have to learn how to continually serve the Lord while in the filth pit. And And... Once again, I go back to that. I I'm, I want the Lord to return too, but the one thing that I refuse to allow myself to do at this point, this is me personally. I am not telling you you have to do this. The one thing I refuse to do personally is to use the Lord as a bailout pro- program for trials. Look, looks like he's getting pretty tough. Why don't you just come back? Give me. Oh man, come on. Yes, I I don't want to. Nobody wants to suffer. Don't get me wrong. Nobody wants to suffer. But it's kind of like it's kind of like this. You think about what our forefathers did for our country. I got a lot of pride in my heart for our for our soldiers and our military and people of every branch that have laid down their lives and did what they did so I could be standing here. Have a lot of respect and a lot of honor for those people. If we were to go to be in a situation where our country was threatened, it is my duty to go to war because of what my forefathers did and because of what I feel in my heart and, and to protect uh, the livelihood of our country, that is in my heart to do that, to go to war and to fight for that. Am, am I not alone? Amen. Okay. So I look at that much the same way in the Christian spiritual perspective. There have been a lot of people in the, in the church, in the early church that laid down their lives so I could be here teaching. Amen. They went to war, so to speak, and they laid it all down. I am no different. So what makes me think that just because I'm living in 2023, that always oh, getting tough again, how about you just come back and get me before all this starts? Oh, to me, that's not the correct perspective. Do I want the Lord to return? Here's the thing. I want the Lord to return whether it's good or bad. Amen. Okay? Amen. I want the Lord to return whether it's good or bad because that's, that's the motive. The motive is I want to be with you no matter what. I don't want to just be with you because it's bad. I want to be with you when it's good. Amen. Right? So understand when we start talking about this that I think you have to have the proper perspective. And once again, the value of the trials that you and I are facing. The trial that you and I are facing. And I don't think it's it's a good strategy or an angle for us just to have the Lord come back and just whisk us all away from this and we don't have to worry about it. If it happens, that's fantastic. But I'm not, I'm not putting all my eggs in this basket. I need to be prepared for war. If, that, if, I, if I'm saying that correctly, does that make sense? So I can prepare myself for this spiritual warfare that we are undergoing currently right now. How do I stand in a, in a adequately and accurately as a Christian in a country that is falling apart morally um, and ethically? That's the question, and that's what we're striving for. That's what we're pushing for. So um, 
Book of James offered practical instructions uh, for living as God's child in a world that's increasingly evil. We can be joyful in the face of adversity because we know the one who can strengthen and deliver us. Absolutely. The original audience of this letter faced severe persecution, which could have easily tempted them to turn their backs on the faith they had embraced. They desperately needed the instructions James gave them as they endeavored to live out their newfound faith in an evil world. That's, that's really... It's, it's the study of and understanding why the letters were written and what was the conditions that they were saying some of the things that they said. That is really important. I mean, it's the same way with um, understanding uh, why Paul wrote some of the books that he did uh, to the Corinthians and to the Romans. If you study that and you understand the circumstances, then you understand why he said some of the things that he said. And so this is no different that... Uh, we look at the letters and we understand that there was a, a severe persecution going on. And I think, okay, well, what, what better way to prepare as a Christian in 2023 than to look back and see what other people were reading under severe persecution circumstances? You could call it history. We're doing a bit of history. We're looking back and we're looking at what they were looking at when they were undergoing circumstances that were much the same to what I believe that we're heading for. So if, if that's the case, then, then we should be paying close attention to what's being said because these scriptures and these teachings are preparing us. They're grounding us and rooting us into what we need to know in order to face persecution. Still be successful in the Lord. Still be able to press forward. Okay. Um, they desperately need the instructions James gave to them as they endeavored to live out their uh, newfound faith in an evil world. Um, the words of this letter are just as timely today as believers face ever-increasing evil in our world. In some countries, persecution is rampant. But even when we are freed to worship openly, pressures are mounting to abandon our faith. We still need the encouragement and instruction James gave the early church. Oh, Well, one of the things that I see uh, going on today... Before we get into our text, and you have to understand, um, and it's not to, it's not to say that they're not true, but what the media does is the the media is really crafty about creating narratives, and false narratives at that. So what they do is, is I always think it's funny. It's like you know, there's this thing going on now with the Asbury revival, and there's a lot of people have been paying attention to that. So, um, ironically, there's now a bunch of stories that come out on the media about Christians being arrested for their faith and in and, and other countries and all these other things happen. Don't you think it's kind of funny that the Asbury Revival pops up and now they want to talk about being arrested for their faith? It's kind of, What they're doing is they're kind of nudging you, saying, I just want to let you know this is what's going to happen if you continue with this type of stuff. That's called a sub... It's a subconscious subconscious hint. You better not, you better not get into this revival stuff. Y'all better, better not be thinking about having... Uh, these revivals and talking about Jesus Christ because we may come down on you. Okay, so with the fact that they're even giving the hint now and that it's out there. All right, well, that demands a response. And you know I've talked a lot about that in here. Circumstances demand responses. So the church has to be like unwaveringly, um, how, what's the word I'm looking for? Unwaveringly disobedient to the pushback that we would somehow leave our churches and hide and not have revival or not have church because we're afraid of somebody might do to us. You, you, the church has to push that back. You understand that, right? Because, because that's just the beginning. There'll be it'll slowly, 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 slowly push, 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 and as if Christians aren't careful, they'll begin to obey it. Well, I'm not sure I want to be a Christian. They're they're really cracking down hard on these people. They're really starting to, there's, there's been some persecution. They say there's persecution uh, in the U.S. What are we going to do? Well, you better figure it out now what your response is going to be. Because when it all actually culminates, and I'm not trying to create a, uh, an atmosphere of, of dread or, or anything like that. I'm simply saying that they are dropping the hints right now to see what the population response is going to be. Are they going to quit Doing this, or are they going to persist? You and I have to be persistent in our faith and push back and make sure that um, 
whether the leaders of this country or these, these leaders in high places that we know not of, or even principalities and powers and, and wickedness in high places, we let them know we're not stopping. Amen. We're going to continue to do what we're doing and we're going to continue to go forward. This is, uh, well, I mean, one of the, re the ways that they know that is by our response to church. Did you know that? They just check the attendance of the churches. Let's see if they're responding. This is why the Asbury Revival has gotten so much attention. Because everybody has refused to quit. And they've all come together. And they're grouping together. And they're traveling from all these locations. And they can't stand that. That bothers them. Not simply the fact that they're having a revival. It's because they're pushing back. And they're saying, oh no, we're not quitting. We're going to keep going forward. It's the mere disobedience that bothers them so much. And so... I'm not saying that you, you're going to go out and, and, and start a, a, a picket war and march down the streets. That's not what I'm saying. Is that you show your disobedience by being here, being accountable, being accounted for, and continuing in the faith. That's disobedience. There's times to stand in everything else that is not of God is taking a stand, you know. Yeah. They they have a good point. They have a voice. If it's not racial, this or gay, that or mm -hmm. take God out of this, right. it their voices are being heard. If you're not gonna stand, you're gonna lay down and take it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. And that's and that's one of the reasons too. It's so subtle and so slow. It's because. It's, it's much harder to notice. And I, and I think we have to talk about that because we need to make sure we're paying attention to what's going on around us. Because it'll, it'll continually stay so. I, I, I don't think, and, and I could be wrong about this. I, I, I'm one of those believers, uh, you know, I don't believe in shock factor. I don't believe that you're, gonna, you're all of a sudden going to have this shock factor, like all of a sudden there's this cataclysmic event that's going to take place. And I'm talking about by people. That's all of a sudden just going to appear. No, they're not going to do that because they know there will be this massive pushback. They're going to slowly, slowly degrade, slowly degrade until you're weak enough. And then by the time it happens, it's actually been happening for a long time. And you didn't even notice that it even happened. Yeah. That's the kind of takeover that is the most deadly. Is the one where it's already brainwashed the people before they even got there. That's the one that you should be worried about. Like rust on metal. Yeah, like rust on metal. Just a total, just a slow decay until there's nothing left. That's the thing that you should be worried about. All right, let's move on to our scriptures. Good input. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Haley, go ahead. James this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the twelve tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad, greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, we must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Amen. All right. Thank you. All right. 
rejoicing in trials. That already doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> While James was most likely a brother of Jesus, he identifies himself as a servant or slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. His audience was the Jewish believers who were scattered throughout the world. He challenged them to use their temptations or trials as opportunities for growth. Well, that's, you know, that's just like way out there, right? That's kind of like this way out thinking that's like, hold on a second. Because you said the, the lesson is saying that the biblical scriptures are telling us that we should use our trials as opportunities for growth, that this is an actual thing. Well, in, in the Christianity realm, we often talk about growth, don't we? I think that, we, I think that you're, you're not looking at it the right way if you don't want to grow. I think everybody wants growth. But it's understanding what actually causes growth. It's like, I want to grow. Okay? So let's just say it is trials. So in order for me to grow, I've got to go through something. It's like, whoa, now hold on a second. Maybe I'll just stay a baby. <laughs> Maybe it'd be easier to not have to go through that process. But that is the process. It's kind of like the human body. I've... I've I don't even remember how I come across this information, and I've studied it off and on for quite some time. Uh, a child will not be able to grow to their full capacity height-wise if they don't have certain minerals. Certain minerals have to be present in the body for an extended period of time for them to hit their height maximum. If they don't have certain things, magnesium, uh, potassium, things like that, and if it's low, then the bones can't build correctly, and they can't actually ever hit it. Uh, sometimes... Uh, a kid that's supposed to be maybe 6'2", 6'3", ends up only being 6'1". He just didn't have the, uh, the amount of minerals that he needed in order to grow. Same concept in Christianity. You've got to have certain elements present in order for there to be growth. Now, in our case, there has to be trials present in a believer's life in order for there to be expedient growth. Has to be. Okay, what's the alternative though? What if we what if that's what if you're in denial of that? What if I want to grow and I don't but I don't want there to ever be a trial? It's impossible. Just the mere fact that I even state that and ask that question, you you're like, oh, that doesn't compute, that doesn't make sense. Okay, we'll see. Then that brings validation and truth to the initial, and that is you're going to have to go through some stuff to get somewhere in your life with God. And I I'll I'll, I'll be honest with you. I wished it wasn't that way. It's one of those things that, man, I just wished it wasn't that way. I wish it was kind of like, you know, well, we could just kind of lay our heads on a pillow in this generalization. I'm using the pillow kind of as a, a symbolism, comfort. I wish that we could just have it comfortable and that we, did, we weren't forced into these situations that make us dig. But you and I both know you won't really dig until it hurts. Yeah. We just gotta. We, there's something about the way that we are wired that we just don't really dig the way we need to until it starts to hurt, until that trial starts burning. It's like, ooh, that burns. Oh, that that hurts. Um, that could be anything. Uh, that that could be uh, various. And each one of you, if I were to ask you about some of the worst trials that you ever went through in your life, uh, everybody would have something a little bit different. Those trials. In the right perspective, in the right perspective, because it takes God leading you through in order to grow and to get something good out of something that was so bad. Because that doesn't even really make sense. It's like, no, that doesn't make sense, Tanner. We can't get anything good out of something bad. No, that's on the contrary. That's exactly what he is saying. That's the thing that always gets us is we don't quite get that is that it's something good coming out of something bad. It's okay. It's, it's one of them things you can just kind of hand to You got to hand it to him and say, You're going to have to show me how to do this. You're going to show me how to do this. But. That's what I was about to say. I was going to say, You have to learn to let go and let God. Mm -hmm. You pray for patience. You're going to go through something to give you patience. Because right. It's not something yeah. that, I mean, you pray for peace. You're going to have to learn what to let go of because you're the reason that you don't have that peace. You have to let go of something in mm -hmm. order to get that peace. Yeah. You have to go through something 
to get that to gain that patience. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. All about growth. Yeah, and the peace too. That that you know that peace is our right through Him, through Christ and the cross. I mean, we have been given peace, and I totally agree with that because most of the time it's not this God. I need your peace. I need your peace. I need your peace. Something is filling the spot where peace should be, right. <clears throat> and we have to get this thing out of the way and get back on track again so this thing can uh, take its take its course. Pastor, you have your hand up? Okay, go ahead. Sage. You wouldn't have a testimony if you didn't go through things. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, how are we going to... How are you going to share that? Everything would be peaches and cream, right? Well, wouldn't, wouldn't it... Well, think about that. Think about that thought. That's a good thought. Well, what if it was all peaches and cream? <clears throat> And so we would tell everybody it's peaches and cream, and right, the grass is greener on the other side. Everybody comes over. Everybody's saved. That's what you want. That's what you want. But that's not the reality. The reality is that growth is going to come through trial. Growth is going to come through some twisting of, of your bones, so to speak. And, and there's going to be some pain involved. Okay. Um, the word translated, temptations usually implies a temptation to sin, but it can also be translated as troubles. Some teach that problems in our lives are the result of sin or a lack of faith. I do want to say that, yes, sometimes that is the case that is caused from bad decision-making, okay? I'm going to, I'll say that. I will say that sometimes you can make some pretty bad decisions and find yourself in some pretty lousy situations because of decisions you made. Yes, that's true. Um, but James indicates, and we're, we're, we're just looking at it from a different angle this morning, but James indicates that all believers will face difficulties, often as a result of believing in Christ. Our response to these difficulties brings spiritual maturity. So I go back to the response. So there has to be a response to the difficulties, right? We have to respond to it. So let me ask you this, and I'm not asking for an open answer. I'm just saying, how do you respond as a person to trials, tribulations, and difficulties that come into your life. How do you respond to that? Do you look at that as opportunity for growth? Do we seek the Lord for his wisdom in our situations? Or do we become emotional? Let me give you an example. What does that mean? What do you mean by emotional, Tanner? That trial messed up your day. And you become angry. I got a flat tire on a dirt road the other day and it made me angry now you know hold on it, did it make me angry or did i allow myself to become angry? And, and and i dove in head first because it was already not going well and i'd already given some bad responses to the day and then the tire blew and i'm thinking There's, what is that noise and i look and i'm like you got to be kidding me and the day before the day before was Sunday, and I had just told my brothers, we were talking about tires, and I said, I ain't changing them tires right now. I can't afford to change those tires right now. We're leaving them on. When it blew, I was forced to change my tires. And so for about 24 to 48 hours, and Misty can verify this, it takes me about that time. If I haven't, if I'm not locked in, if I'm locked in the Lord, it's a lot less. But if you leave me to myself, I'm kicking dirt. Stupid tire. Messed my day up. And I had a schedule to keep. And the only thing I can see is me. Now, would you agree with me that a lot of times that's exactly how we look at trials, tribulations? We see us. We don't see nobody else. We don't see anything else involved. We just see us. At the time that it happens, at the time that it takes place, I absolutely see you see zero value. There's like no value in blowing my tire on a dirt road. There's no value in uh, realizing I sunk my money into something and I lost all my money. You, you, there's no value at the moment because it didn't have anything to do with the moment. And that's the thing that's the hardest for Christians to see is that the things that we go through most of the time have nothing to do with right now. It has to do with working you. You ever notice that? That you're going through or you'll deal with or you'll endure something that is the very thing that seems to press your red buttons. It's like it could have been anything else, but it had to be that to press my buttons. Well, no wonder you're going through it because you're weak in that area. You need to go through that. You need to have that red button pushed like a couple times. 
so you can understand what's actually happening. Some of y'all are like, you don't know my red button. <laughs> but are you, are you with me? You understand that the red button has to be pressed. And so life happens and we go through these challenges and we go through these things, not realizing that the very thing we're going through is strengthening us in the weakest places of our life. And we need to go through that. I needed to say that that day. I needed to tell them, nope, I'm going to do this because I'm about planning. I like planning. And I like to do it A, B, C, D. That's just the way I am. I've been that way. And Misty will tell you, if something comes up between B and A, it's like my brain don't compute. It's like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't like anything taken out of structure. I like structure. And I need to be reminded often that things don't always go the way you want them to, Tanner. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to let me take care of it. Sometimes you need to let me come in and show you that I'm actually the one in control of it. It's not you. You're, you think you're planning. I'm the planner. So how you relate that to, uh, to that in your life is going to be different, but I think it's still, nonetheless, it's the, it has the same, uh, the same value. Okay. Um, let's go to, where was I at? I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's go to that, that uh, second paragraph there at the very bottom. In verse 6, James said that, where was I at? Oh, yeah, James instructed his readers to consider it an opportunity for great joy. Thank you. Why? Why would you be instructed to have this, it's a, to consider it an opportunity for great joy? Look at the actual scripture here. It says over here in verse 2, I want you to look at the King James Version. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. That right there, he gave you the reason why. Yeah. And say, well, I think, I'm, I think I'm good on patience, Tanner. No, you're, you're missing the point. The point is, is that he's saying that for those of you that go through something, there is something valuable waiting on the other side. You miss the point if you look at it very specifically as patience. And even though I believe that's true. But I'm also saying that we said at the beginning, what am I doing this for? Because there's something valuable there. You have to see the value. And the scripture is telling me that when I go through trial, tribulation, that I should be counting it joy because there's something valuable taking place in my life. And that's hard to realize sometimes. That's hard to realize sometimes I... You know, you, I'm like, Lord, you, you say there's something valuable here. I feel like I'm playing with Monopoly money. I feel like this stuff looks, yeah, it looks good, but this ain't real money. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, I don't see any value here, Lord. How could you bring something valuable out of my circumstance? That's the way God works. And the quicker you and I get associated with that and understand that, the quicker we'll be able to understand how he's growing us right now in our own personal lives. If you approach it with the attitude that there's nothing valuable there, then most of the time you are spent kicking dirt and being angry and frustrated. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, the whole day is just spent. I wish things were different. I wish it was this way or I wish it was that way. I wish this wouldn't have happened or I wish it wasn't that wouldn't have happened. And I agree. Some of you have went through some pretty, pretty difficult circumstances that should not have happened. But we're living now, right now. And so it's like, okay, you're going to have to show me how to get value out of what I have went through. And God will show you because he said it. If you've gone through it, there's something valuable there for you. There's something valuable to pick up. We become stronger and more patient as we endure trials. Our perseverance in trials makes us perfect and entire and, or perfect and complete. We gain spiritual maturity as we experience trials. During trials, we need wisdom to know how to respond but God uses our trials to help us recognize our dependence on Him. Okay. Let's, I don't want to spend too much time on this. But see, this has a lot to do, a lot, of, a lot of the trials that we go through and a lot of the things that we endure, it's going to come down to a dependency on us or a dependency on Him. And which one are you going to choose? This dependency on us, uh, because, we're, because we're living a fleshly body, it's so easy to trust in yourself. And, and the only way that you get out of trusting yourself is going through something uh, to the point where you see that you have failed in all of your options and that you have reached your absolute limit 
and there's nothing left to give. And that's usually the best places to learn because that's usually when God comes in and he starts to show you what you could not have figured out on your own. That's when we start to learn dependency on him. That's when you begin to really learn that you're really nothing. It's like, my goodness, I wouldn't be here if it wouldn't be for him. Yeah. He's, his all his knowledge and all his wisdom and all of these things. He taught me at the worst times of my life. And I thought, man, I'm not going to make it through this. And he comes and whispers a couple words and picks me up, dusts me off. And he said, yeah, you can keep going. You're good. And then you realize that the only reason that you're even able to do that is because of him. Amen. Which, and that's, I'm not saying that loosely at all. Like literally saying, you reach the end of your limit. How can I keep going? He comes in and says, let me show you the path. That's some of the greatest things that could ever happen to you is reaching the end of your limit. Some of the greatest things that could ever happen to you is reaching a place where you absolutely have no more of yourself to go and he has to carry you. Some of the greatest learning experiences of our lives. But we learn dependency. It's not something you're going to do on your own. Uh, if the pillow's comfortable, so to speak, if the pillow's comfortable, you're not learning dependency on him. Sometimes you got to have that pillow taken out from underneath of you. Sometimes it needs to be uncomfortable for a long period of time. Some of your trials, some of you in here have went through trials that have lasted years. Years. You're still learning. There's still things to be learned in that trial. Okay, let's keep going. Facing trials victoriously and developing spiritual maturity through them come as we seek the Lord for wisdom during trials. We may feel unsure of how to handle adversity, but God understands us and will generously provide wisdom if we will ask in faith without doubting. In verse 6, James said that one who doubts is like a wave tossed about by the wind. A doubter will not receive the answer to his request. James further uh, described this person as being unstable in all his ways. Now, what this scripture means is first of all, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It's, it, this, this doesn't mean that you get anything that you want asked for, like some sort of wish list. Speaking about wisdom and asking for God's wisdom and direction. Remember, this was one of the things that pleased God when he gave Solomon the opportunity. What did he ask for? Wisdom. Show me how to lead your people. And he said, if you ask for wisdom correctly, I'm going to give it to you. It's going to be yours. But you might endure some things to get to it. You might have to go through some things. You might have to have your eyes open. Anyone ever had your eyes open before? You had your eyes open before. Most of the time, an eye-opening experience comes through experience. It didn't. You weren't sitting on the couch, and then all of a sudden you were like, oh, yeah, that would work that way. Yeah, I can see that. No, you went through something, and it opened your eyes. And you were like, thank God, I can see that now. But you wouldn't have been able to see it had you not went through it. And so some the wisdom that, that God provides and offers us, if we're looking at it the correct way, if we're clinging to him, asking him for wisdom, God, show me wisdom in my trial. Give me wisdom in my circumstance to get me through to the other side. Show me the teachable moments here. Teach me your mind. Give me your mind on this. Help me get through this. Uh, often our prayers are more like, just get me out of it. Tell me, I'm, is this wrong? Am I wrong in this? Get me out of this, God. I don't care about the value. I don't care about how good it is. I don't care about, the, I don't care about none of that stuff. Just get me out. I don't want to go through this no more. He understands that. Um, you ever, anybody in here ever do any branding? You do some branding before you brand cattle and, and different stuff like that. You take a brand and, and it's burning hot, right? And you can feel that thing increasing heat as you're getting closer to it. And there's this anticipation of being burnt. Same way with like the old cigarette lighters in your vehicle. You remember that? Yeah, yeah you push the button, it pops out, and then you got this little burning hot thing in your vehicle. And you can feel it as you get closer. And there's this anticipation. Nobody better bump me or I'm going to burn myself. Nobody better touch me or I'm going to burn myself. It's this anticipation. You're not burnt yet, but this anticipation of burnt brings a bit of uh, unsettlingness to it. That's exactly what a trial is like. 
You haven't actually been burnt yet, but there's an, this anticipation that something, it's like, man, I'm fixing to go off the edge of the cliff. I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm just about to go off. There's this, this anticipation. And then right when you least expect it, he gives the word, he shows his wisdom, he grabs you, picks you up, and he's like, you're okay. You're okay. Now, what did you learn? I've heard these words before in my own ears. What did you learn? I got my pen. I wrote it down because I had found something so valuable in that moment that it was only a teachable moment, and I didn't want to forget. I was like, don't forget the moment. Don't forget what you just went through because this is going to keep you out of this later. You don't want to go through that stuff more than once, right? <laughs> if we can avoid it, we want to learn from it. We want to keep going. Okay. Um, the term, down here in verse, yeah, verse 6, James. Yeah. The term, double-minded, depicts a person trying to face two directions at the same time. Doubters with divided loyalty are unsettled, becoming ineffective in prayer and unstable in everything they do. But we do not have to be double-minded. God loves us and can help us focus on him. He will help us move past adversities to a life of stability and faith in him. And that's the thing is stability because he was saying here, he was said that the term double-minded depicts a person trying to face two directions at the same time. And what double-minded means too, if you look at it in the Greek, it literally means having two souls. Two souls. Having two completely separate this one version of you that wants to go one way and this other version of you that wants to go this way and depending on how the situation turns out will depend on which direction you go. That's unstable. So what he teaches us is stability through trials. It's like, well, how is that possible? Let me come back to the cigarette lighter again. Teaching you, you feel that, it's like, you feel the heat? It's like, it's okay. You remember the heat from last time, right? It's like, I do, I remember. He's like, you're not going to break. Hold, hold, don't move. And I remember this teaching, going through these trials and tribulations of my own and feeling that, that almost near burn. It's like, you're, you're okay. Stay, stay in the pocket. Stay in prayer. Don't get out. Keep seeking me for wisdom. Don't move. Because there's this temptation. Man, I got to get out of this. Like, um, panic. Panic. Anyone ever felt panic before? Ever had panic attacks? Panic. It's like panic when it when it takes off. It's like all these range of emotions. Like run, get out of here. That's panic. And there's this temptation in your trial. I want to leave. I want to run. I want to get as far away from this as possible. But the wisdom of the Lord says, hold, don't move, because by not moving, this is what's changing you. Subject to the heat. And it's molding you. It's molding you. It's going to be weird. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's, it's a weird thing to say. Um, but I felt, I've, I've experienced it in my own life, going through a very long trial years back. And, and, be, and I may have, I've told you this before, being in a trial, but being closer to God than I'd ever been in my life. And having a relationship with him that was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And I honestly can tell you, I knew through his teachings and through the things that he inspired in my spirit, I knew that I was driving after him because the burn or that, that, that anticipation of a burn just wouldn't leave. So what did I do? I clung to him. And then I began to not want the trial to end because I didn't want to be away from him. I knew that I was not going to be motivated the same once the trial ended. I was like, I love being this close to you. But the, the struggle that I had inside is I knew that if the trial ended, I wouldn't be as motivated as I was before. And that bothered me. I said, I just, I want to be close to you. Don't, don't let this end right now. I want to stay next to you. Somewhere in there, I started noticing that the value was greater in the trial, that the value was greater to be going through the trial than to be bailed out from it. I said, man, I, this is good stuff, Lord. And I'm, I hope you understand. I'm just sharing my experience with you. I'm not saying that I'm anything at all. It was just the experience that I went through. And I realized that the closeness that we had, we had, there was something special when you're going through a trial and you, you cling to the Lord, he'll show up. 
he shows up with loving arms and, and teachings and, and whatever resources you need to get through. Yeah. When that next child comes along, you're built up. Yes, you good example. That you know that you know God is going to get you through it. Yeah. I mean, you got to trust him. No, no matter what, no matter what you hear, no matter what you see, no matter what somebody tells you, yeah. we cling to him, we move forward to him. Yeah, I can honestly say since that time, I've approached trials from a completely different perspective. Uh, there, there's a, there's just a don't panic kind of feeling. It's like don't, no need to panic. You've been, you've been through the war. You know what this is like. You know what it feels like to have gunshots being fired and all these things taking place. And you can hear the, the, the uh, sound of war, spiritually speaking, coming against you or coming against your family. You know what that sounds like. So you're okay. <clears throat> Yeah. Will wants to come in. Yes, it will. <laughs> and right, right when you feel that, your heart starts, you, you stop right there. I trust you, God. Yep. I trust yeah. you no matter what. Let's go. And that's only something, church, that's only something you can learn through going through trials. you got to go through that. All right, let's go to section two. <laughs> we got just a little bit of time left in section two. This is some valuable information. Okay, understand the source of temptations. After briefly discussing the insignificance of earthly riches, James reminded his readers that their final reward for endurance would be the crown of life. So he's talking about the insignificant of riches. That seems to be what everybody's after today. Now, I'm not... Let me make sure that I'm clear. I, I didn't say that it was a bad thing to have money. I, we all have to have money to survive. It's not like I'm calling you to a life of poverty. It's not... It's not that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, but you got to put the money in the right place. And you sure got to keep it in the right perspective. Because if I understand the scripture correctly here, what it's saying is, is that he gives this example of the insignificance of, of financial gain. But he says, if you've endured, you will be given a crown of life. Crown of life from the study of scholars is it's the representation of overcoming this life. But it is also the representation of the new life that you're going into. Because you've got to remember, the crown that you're receiving this is an incorruptible crown. Which is representation of the new life that you've been given. You're in a place now that you're never going to die. Think about that. And so, can I weigh, like in the, on the right scale, can I weigh money to eternity with Christ? No, I can't. So it makes sense that we put money where it belongs and we say it doesn't really have the kind of value that will last in eternity. In that, well, let me ask this too, and then we'll keep moving. Is it worth sacrificing everything in your life to spend all of your time and attention to get the money, but sacrifice all of the time with God and not have no time with him? Think about it. Just say, is it worth it? Because one's going to last you an eternity, and one's only going to last you 80, 90 years. And then that's it. So the word translated crown in verse 12 refers to the crown or wreath that is given to a victorious athlete. Our crown of victory is eternal life with Christ. Yes, it is. That's it. Um, I asked this question before, and just for the sake of the lesson, I'll just I'll say it like this. Um, are you okay with a heaven that doesn't have Jesus in it? Think about that. Are you okay with going to a heaven that doesn't have Jesus in it? If you say, yeah, I'm totally good with it. He didn't have to be there. Then you really don't understand the point of living in eternity with him. He's the one that rescued you from hell. Amen. He deserves a personal thank you and a bow from us. And so I, I want to be in heaven, but it needs to be with him. So that, to me, destroys the argument when people start talking about, well, I want to be in heaven. It's like, well, do, you do understand that you want to be in heaven to be with Jesus, right? You want to be where he's at. Well, I, I was going to go and have a reunion with my family. Yeah, that's all going to happen and everything, and that's fine. But remember who got you here. Yeah. And heaven's not heaven without Jesus. It just doesn't right. make sense. Right. So some of James's readers <laughs> may have felt that God could have removed temptation from them. However, temptation does not come from God, but from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Our sinful desires entice us to sin. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't, I thought, I thought it, sin was the main problem. Well, sin is the problem, but that's not it. 
Do you understand the, the power of what we just said right here in this lesson? It's, it's not, not just the sin that's the problem. It's the fact that we respond to sin by yes. doing it. That's the problem. It's like, well, I would just wish sin wasn't no more. Well, I understand that, and I wished it was that way too. But while I am here, sin is going to be present. And I am going to have to make a constant decision every single day to make a decision not to sin. I, I don't, um, <laughs> how do I say this? I want to make it sound right. I'm, I'm not an advocate for you praying, God, take this sin away from me. That doesn't even make sense. Some of you thinking, you're thinking, now, Tanner, that's, that's a prayer I've prayed before. <laughs> now, think about it. Now, I'm, I'm serious. <clears throat> at, at its core, God, take the sin away from me. It doesn't make sense because whether you do the sin or not is not up to him. It's up to you. You're, you have to be tried in the fire to be found proper in God's sight. So you're going to have to go through trials and make decisions not to do sin and make the decision to serve the Lord. It's like, choose this day whom you will serve. You're going to serve man or you're going to serve God? Which one are you going to serve? And it's made by decisions. It's made by choices. I, I, God, God is not. Because it's not it. It doesn't work this way. When people say, remove the sin from me, it doesn't work that way. You, he, he's not going to do it. And, and if he did, you just be, would be dead. That's the only way you're getting away from it. So it doesn't make sense to say, God, remove the sin from me. What you should be praying for is the wisdom and the knowledge and the, the strength to decide not to sin. Does that make sense? It, it, it's going to be there. When you leave here this morning, you're going to be dealing with it. Yeah. It's always going to be there. It's on your phone. It's on your phone. It's right there. It's like, man, I wish this thing wouldn't keep popping up like that. You make a choice. You make the choice. It's like we're blaming the phone. It's the phone's fault. <laughs> if, it wouldn't, if, it, if evil people wouldn't have designed this thing, then I wouldn't have to be in this temptation. Come on. <laughs> When we're passing, we're passing off accountability, and then we need to be accountable people. Go ahead. I prayed hundreds of times, brother. It's just kind of a daily prayer, and I'm sure we all would do. Is, the Lord guide my steps. Yeah, my that's good. Steps. It prompted me the other day, and, and it was straight up. I said, "I'll guide your steps. I always have, but if you don't step, I can't lead you." Mm -hmm. that's good. True. Man, that's good. That's good, brother. Okay, let me see how much time I got. I got no time. All right. Well, <laughs> this has been good, and I wish we, we had more time to discuss this, and, and maybe we get to talk about it tonight. But some very valuable information here for you, and, and I, come, I leave you with that, is that, that sin, is, sin is an awful thing. Sin, sin is. It's, it's, a, it's a very nasty thing, and it will decay your life. It the Bible says that uh, when, when sin is full grown, it results in death. That's the actual repercussions of sin. But behind every sin is a person deciding to sin. And once you finally make a decision, you're like, no, I ain't doing that no more. Then it loses its power. It can't do it no more. It can't affect you if you choose not to do it. All right, guys, I'm out of time. Thank you all.